Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard, coming to you in the wee hours of the morning. I'm a bit of an night owl, as you guys know, and uh, since I don't have to get up and bring the kid to school every day, I'm kind of taking advantage of this time to kind of get some things done doing most of my riding at night after everybody's kind of gone to bed. It's just me and the animals up this late. And so uh, they don't really get in the way. They don't have a TV on. They're not running the refrigerator and kind of opening things and uh, causing distractions for me. And so it's a little easier and probably beneficial to you guys too because those of you that uh, are looking for some Mississippi State sports talk in the mornings, you can kind of go ahead and get started on that. And I know many of you listen to the show at work while you're working. And so I'm doing my best to get this to you earlier than than normal, and so uh, happy to do it. Hope things are well with you today, wherever you are today. There are a lot of things that are kind of going on behind the scenes right now that you know that maybe there's not a lot of public news about. And uh, I want to share a couple things with you today. Uh, your coaches, your football coaches, are working behind the scenes, doing their due diligence to ensure that they have found uh, some very important prospects for this class. It is a very, very, very deep year in the state of Mississippi in 2022. That wasn't the case in 2021. That's one of the things, too, you got to be careful about with your evaluations because if you offer an in-state kid, you better be ready to take him. You know, there are times when you drop an out-of-state kid, perhaps a guy doesn't uh, progress as well as you want, but uh, you, you really hurt some relationships when you do that with in-state players. And so you got to be 100% sure you're ready to take them. So some new offers have gone out here in the last couple of weeks. There will be more offers in-state in the weeks to come. But there are a lot of guys, and you've heard me say it on the show before, there are a lot of guys that you guys are really going to want to be on your football team that you don't know a lot about yet. We're going to do our best to identify them and share what we've learned about them uh, here on this show and, of course, over on Gene's page. If you're not a member of jeanspage.com, that's G-E-N-E-S-P-A-G-E.com, you should be. Go there today. Go ahead and sign up. We do our best to offer things to you before they are public on Gene's page. That's kind of what that's the gig for us, right? I mean, we can't just report the same things that are in the print newspaper. we got to get it out to you a little bit quicker. And I think we do a better job with that than anybody in the industry. Uh, we cover recruiting uh, 365 days a year. Uh, did a – now that it's over chat on Monday night, that's one of those things I do annually – once the recruiting class is pretty much complete, is go back and kind of tell some behind-the-scenes stuff that maybe we didn't share or couldn't share uh, during the recruiting process. One guy in particular, Dwayne Lofton, was a wide receiver out of Texas at one point, was ready to commit to Mississippi State, but Mississippi State wasn't quite ready to take him. And so ultimately he commits to Virginia Tech, 
one of the concerns that we had during his recruitment is, uh, you know, he is a Dallas-Fort Worth guy, so what happens if TCU comes in and offers late? Well, his high school coach played at TCU, and sure enough, TCU did come in late. However, they weren't able to flip him, and that was one of those things that we thought might be a real possibility, but that was also right in the thick of things when State was recruiting Malik neighbors, and it looked like State at that point really had the momentum for Malik, and so you weren't going to take Dwayne Lofton and then hurt your standing with Malik Neighbors. Because at that point, you, you're kind of putting a good wide receiver class together, and you weren't in any hurry uh, to kind of finish things off until you had the right guys in place. But if you take Dwayne Lofton, it might have hurt you with Malik Neighbors. Now, ultimately, when the Malik Neighbors signs with LSU, they come up with a signing day offer uh, the morning of after LSU had lost a couple of commitments, one to Alabama. And so that's the risk you run when you recruit those blue-chip prospects out of the state of Louisiana. You just kind of – you know it ahead of time. It's one of those risks that you have to kind of take. But in the end, it didn't work out for Mississippi State. However, State already had some great receivers committed in the class and Malik Neighbors flips, and you go out and you add Makai Polk. And as we've shared on the show before, that's one of the greatest values in this, in this staff is their ability to pivot when things don't go necessarily according to plan. So – Feel good about the wide receiver class. And uh, I had a chance to speak to Mike Leach uh, for about an hour on uh, Tuesday night. Some of that off the record, most of it on the record. The on the record stuff will be transcribed and shared on Gene's page. It is a two-part Q&A. I will run part one today, which will be a free-for-all. Anybody, whether you're a subscriber or not, you can watch that. Or you can view that, excuse me. You can... Uh, Read that, and then part two will be VIP for Gene's paid subscribers only. And again, uh, an incentive to kind of get you guys on board as well. But uh, I shared with Mike, I said, you know, Coach, I've been, I've been covering Mississippi State recruiting now for, uh, you know, 20 years or so. And uh, I believe this is the best offensive class that we have signed in my, in my time. Of course, you know, Mike doesn't have the same point of reference. He hasn't kept up with Mississippi State recruiting like perhaps you or I have. But he said, you know, I don't really know how to kind of gauge that. But, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased with the guys we have. One of the things I thought was really important is there were a lot of people in our state said, you know what, Mississippi State will either take Luke Altmaier or Ty Keats. We had two who we felt, two guys that were Power 5 quarterbacks right here in the state. Now, if Joe Moorhead is still your coach, I think he takes Ty Keats because of the running component in that offense. I think it was probably important to have more of a dual-threat guy. And Ty Keys, I think, is a, a prolific playmaker and will do a great job at Southern Miss. Um, yeah, I, I think Southern Miss is about to really get back to winning. I like what Will Hall is doing down there. And I think Ty Keys is a really important building piece as they kind of move forward with this thing. But Mike Leach showed up on campus, and he already had a couple quarterbacks in mind. So he brings those recruiting relationships with him uh, Daniel Greek, a guy that uh, his dad is very good friends with Mississippi State assistant coach Dave Nickel, said there was a relationship there in place. And then, of course, they were already kind of wooing Sawyer Robertson, a guy from Lubbock, Texas, that kind of grew up a Mike Leach fan. You know, his dad's a big Texas Tech guy. And so most of his early memories of college football are Mike Leach and uh, Graham Harrell and those guys throwing the ball around. Uh, Texas Tech and so that was the the drawing card there and I don't know if you guys know this because many of our many of our true maroon fans don't really keep up with recruiting until it's around national signing day because there's so many other things going on and so let's talk a little bit about Sawyer Robertson because I don't know that a lot of people fully appreciate this Sawyer Robertson according to maxpreps.com 
second in the nation in passing yards, 4,509. Second to only Jackson Dart, who had 4,691. Now, let me just kind of go over the development and the maturation of Sawyer Robertson. He played sparingly as a freshman. Uh, if you have kind of kept up with us at all, I believe just, uh, just you know, excuse me, just uh, 10 passes completed on 16 attempts. Now, I love these little pop-ups. You go on these websites, and they, they just simply cannot let you do anything in peace. So let me get that handled for you. So sorry about that. A little free music. We'll get into some music later in the top 10. But uh, Sawyer Robertson's career stats. In four years as a high school quarterback, 12,148. That is a ridiculously obscene number. Obscene, pardon me. As a freshman, again, uh, 10 completions on 14 attempts for just 161 yards. As a sophomore, he takes over as a starter. 313 completions out of 483 attempts for 3,564 yards and 43 touchdowns. Took another step as a junior. 257 completions against 405 attempts, 3,914 yards, and 44 touchdowns. As a senior, 297 completions out of 457 attempts for 4,509 and 58 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. And you can kind of do your own math there, but it is mind-boggling to consider that he only threw seven interceptions and put the football in the air 457 times. That is absolutely ridiculous when you begin to kind of look at that and begin to think about the possibilities uh, and the fact that this is a guy that has played in an offensive system that is very similar to what Mike Leach runs. So it is a perfect fit, and this is a prolific passer coming in. A lot of people have said, well, you know, maybe he'll start as a freshman. I think that might be a bit much, you know, especially with the fact that he's going to play baseball this spring and won't get here until June, and that will give, you know, Will Rogers the benefit of spring practice. And we, you know, we didn't get a lot of that last year. We didn't get any spring practices, and then they didn't get a full offseason. So, uh, Will will have the benefit of a season and a spring ahead of Sawyer. I don't think things really get interesting until 2022. Probably see Daniel Greek redshirt. I think you've got a redshirt at least one of these guys to kind of start creating some balance within the class because, as you guys are well aware, Will Rogers still has four years of eligibility left. I don't know that he is going to be an NFL prospect late in his career, so I don't think he'll be an early declaration guy. I think he will be here uh, five years. You know, I, th- I think that's the expectation. And so you redshirt Daniel Greig, you let Sawyer Robertson play, and then uh, you, you, you kind of begin to, to figure this thing out because you're going to have three freshman quarterbacks on the roster next year counting Rodgers. And that is incredibly important as we begin to kind of move forward with this thing. And so spoke with Mike about those things. And, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, his general demeanor talking about offensive football is something that is very encouraging. And you expect that. But, you know, Mike Leach is a guy that's been around a few 24 hours. You know, Mike is a guy that understands what it takes to make an offense run. And when he got here, we were pretty much wide receiver poor. We signed a pretty good class of wide receivers last year but many of those guys developmental guys I mean Caleb Ducking we haven't even seen him on the field yet a lot of people have given me some very encouraging scouting reports on him but uh, you know he's still a work in progress and I think the benefit of not you know not having to play this year to give him a chance to get ahead academically and get where he needs to be physically is probably good for him for the next couple of years 
and you think about Rufus Harvey and Tula Griffin. Rufus didn't play much at all this year. Uh, kind of nursed a hamstring along for a while, and then he missed some time with some contact tracing due to COVID. He didn't test positive, but he was around some guys that did and uh, had to quarantine. He was kind of away from the program for a couple weeks. And so we're still very optimistic about Rufus Harvey's future. We just didn't get to see a lot of him on the field this year. Tulu Griffin was one of those guys that uh, took a while to get him on the field, but uh, then he's the MVP of the Armed Forces Bowl. A uh, huge, huge, huge day in a special teams game. And uh, he's a guy, too, that has some incredible burst. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him going forward. And so you've begun to stack wide receiver classes on each other. But if you look at this group, it is an incredibly talented group. And, and one of the better receiver classes that we've signed in recent years. I mean, I don't know how far we've got to go back. Probably the Jackie Sherrill era before we look at it and say, you know what, we had a bunch of studs in that class because, you know, Sylvester Croom kind of struggled, struggled to uh, sign wide receivers and uh, wide receiver recruiting at Mississippi State and Dan Mullen era is one of those things people kind of scratch their heads about. It's like, why is it so difficult for us to attract receivers? You know, one of the better classes that we had was a class that, uh, you know, Sylvester Croom kind of put together. That, that 2009 class, it had Chad Bumpus, uh, you had Chris Smith, you had Arcedo Clark, and those guys, you know, played early in their careers, and you kind of built it around them. And then, you know, Ole Miss is up there throwing the ball around the way they were. You know, the better receivers in the state went up there. I mean, that's just, just as plain as I can say it. And so it has been a real moving target for Mississippi State, but it does appear that right now with this, you know, very pass – oriented offense in a wide receiver friendly scheme that we're going to be able to attract uh, some guys that can really play so I'm really excited about that and uh, look forward to sharing more of what Mike Leach had to say uh, later in the show listen when you're in town you need to go buy Bulldog Burger Company you absolutely have to go buy and enjoy that for yourself there are many of you that like you go for the first time you've been said, Steve I've listened to Boneyard for years finally got a chance to get by there and you're absolutely right it is a great place to go break bread uh, you're going to be glad you went by there. Whether you have the smokehouse or the mission, uh, you know, the pimentology, add bacon, the Bryant, the Lauren, there's a lot of good things there. And if you're not quite sure what to order, let me encourage you, start with the Bulldog. Just the, the straight-ahead rock and roll hamburger. You're going to be glad you did. And uh, you're not going to go wrong with anything, but that's a good way to get started. Speaking of starters, have the spring rolls. I can't endorse those enough. It's a great appetizer. It's just enough to kind of get you going. But you could even have it as an entree. When Mike Nemeth and I go eat at Bulldog Burger Company, Mike orders an, a full order of spring rolls to himself and a side of fries. I don't know how he does it. I, I, I don't. I don't know how he does it. Uh, but he does. And I jokingly called that the Nemeth, you know, the, because they're always looking for names, right? But uh, have those as an appetizer. They'll make everybody at the table better looking, and we all need more of that. Uh, now, two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle many, many years. They know exactly what they're doing. And you've heard me say it before. If you can go knock out a regular portion, if you can have if they set that tray of food down in front of you, and you can eat that burger, and you can uh, eat all those French fries, you're an absolute soldier. I, I tell you, it is impressive to think about eating all that. I don't know that I've ever finished a meal. Bulldog Burger Company. And it's not because it's not tasty. It's just because the portions are so generous. You're absolutely going to get your money's worth. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So the very first time that I interviewed Mike Leach was uh, not long after he had gotten here. 
uh, back in 2020. And uh, we spent some time kind of getting to know each other, and he talked. He wanted to know a lot about, uh, you know, you know what I thought about Mississippi State and the history of Mississippi State and how I became a Bulldog and things like that. And so uh, I, I was kind of curious to kind of get to know him. I mean, you know, that people tell me all the time, Steve, you got the greatest job in sports. You get to cover Mike Leach for a living. And I, I agree. And it was a great job even before he got here. But uh, I'm really, really grateful to be on the beat during the Mike Leach era because uh, Mike is such a colorful character. And it's not just because of the fact that he talks about, you know, things that, uh, that go viral you know, what's the best Kool-Aid flavor and, uh, you know, what, what's the best, uh, you know, Girl Scout cookie and things like that. I mean, he's got a ranking for everything. But the guy knows football. And his approach to the game and really his approach to life is very, very unique. And if you haven't read his books, I would encourage you to do so. I've read them both, uh, Swing Your Sword and Geronimo. And I've encouraged many other people to do so. And to be honest with you, you know, I, I enjoyed the historical significance of Swing Your Sword because I remember when all that stuff happened, you know, his, uh, you know, kind of his meteoric rise to fame. You know, he leaves Kentucky and goes to Oklahoma and he gets hired at Texas Tech. And then immediately Texas Tech becomes, you know, kind of an irritant to the University of Texas and Texas A&M. And so you kind of like to see that because it's a lot like us, right? I mean, it's like we want to kind of upset people. We want to be able to, to go out there and make them look a little bit silly, the, the people that have picked on us for many years. And that's one of the things that was attractive about Mike Leach to me. But, uh, but you know, there was so much that happened there with Adam James and Craig James. And there was so much, there was so much misinformation. And that's another thing, too, that uh, I think is important that we always remember is how ESPN mischaracterized that story. And if you read Swing Your Sword, you kind of learn that. You learn over the course of the book that there was a lot of things that were shared nationally on ESPN and other media entities, but mainly ESPN, that were simply untrue. And uh, Craig James, you know, is a guy that, uh, you know, played at SMU and had a great uh, pro career for a while and was in broadcasting for a while. But, uh, you know, it really took a lot of wind out of his sails. And uh, as you get deeper into the book, the final chapter – as things are kind of getting resolved, you find out that Adam James admits that he made a lot of this stuff up. But that didn't stop ESPN from running it. And so I enjoyed that behind-the-scenes walk through all of those stories that, um, you know, we're all kind of familiar with. But I love Geronimo even more. I mean, I really did. Because, uh, you know, when I was a young guy, you know, when I was a kid, it's funny, I'm, Mike Leach was telling the story about how he, you know, first became fascinated with Indians. He said when he went to the library as a, uh, as a grade school kid, you know, the, the book about Indians was the biggest one, uh, the thickest one, and he wanted to have plenty to read. I did the same thing. You know, I went in there and checked out the biggest book in the library and it happened to be about American Indians. And uh, i always been fascinated by American Indians. Uh, actually, it's my, my children are part Choctaw Indian and uh, not, not enough to really go, uh, you know, uh, lay claim to anything. But, uh, you know, I've got some people in my family. Matter of fact, uh, my children's great-grandfather was born on the Indian Reservation in Philadelphia. How, how cool is that, right? Um, and so we've been to visit there, been to the Neshoba County Fair. I need to go over there and visit, uh, you know, their great-great-grandmother who uh, passed away years ago. But, uh, you know, we don't know a lot about her. But I would love to be able to go connect those dots. But, uh, but I digress. But, uh, you know, Michael Leach is a guy that is, is always kind of, um, you know, identified with the underdogs and Geronimo was certainly a guy that was an incredible warrior despite some ridiculously 
one-sided odds. And one of the things that Mike and I talked about, this is after the, you know, the recorder's off and we're just kind of shooting the breeze a little bit and uh, the fact that he and I both have written a few books, you know, we talked a little bit about that process and kind of what we're working on, what we're reading, things like that. But he said, you know, one of the things that uh, Geronimo kind of scoffed at is he didn't think that the American soldiers were tremendous warriors. He didn't think they were great fighters. But he did have a certain amount of respect for them because unlike like the raiders from Mexico that, you know, that kind of you know, pillaged the Apache villages, uh, the Americans wouldn't go kill you know, the women and children you know, when the braves were all away. I mean, there was a certain level of, of decorum, I guess you could say. You know, it's, it's interesting that you know, the, the terms of engagement you know, with battle. And so there was, some of, there was a certain level of respect from Geronimo for those American soldiers, not not that the Americans treated the Indians in, in any type of respect whatsoever. You know, there's so every treaty that was written, you know, we reneged on the deal. Uh, it was awful, you know, how those people were treated. And um, but there are so many life lessons in that book uh, about Geronimo, and uh, it is fascinating to me. And if you are like me and you're fascinated by American Indians and their culture and their respect for the land and uh, you know, just, you know, kind of their approach to things. I think you'll enjoy it too. But uh, we didn't just talk about books. We talked a lot about Mississippi State. And one of the things that I asked him about, you know, when he first got here was about facilities. You know, Mike, do you have everything you need to win at Mississippi State? And he says, well, you know, we hadn't had a chance to really kind of get out and use everything. He goes, but yeah, I think we do. When I asked him again today, I said, you know, listen, you've been here a year now, so, you know, what do you want? What do you need? And as he says, you know, as coaches, there's no end to the things that they want. You know, but you want things that make life easier. You want things that kind of make practice easier, not easier in difficulty level, but make it easier for yourself to practice. Make it easier for you to, uh, you know, kind of get from one thing to the next. You want to have the most innovative and up-to-date technology that can kind of ensure you're getting the best performance out of your players. But he said, you know, from a facility standpoint, the facilities here are great. And I'm sure coming in from Pullman, Washington, it probably feels like you've died and gone to heaven, you know, because of the SEC money that's available here. And we have built an incredible cathedral to college football right here in Starkville. But he says, you know what, Steve, to be honest with you, I think I'm probably a little more satisfied with our football facilities than our administration is. And I think, again, that's a point of reference. You know, our guys that uh, have been around the league for a while, they know what Alabama has. They know what Georgia has. And we want to kind of narrow the gap facility-wise. But, uh, you know, Mike Leach, you know, a guy that came from Pullman, Washington, that uh, Washington State had the lowest budget for athletics in the Power Five, and then you come to an SEC school, and while we may be behind some of our league, um, you know, brethren, we're still well ahead of most of the country. And so he says he has everything he needs here to win. He no longer thinks it, he knows it. He knows that he has what he needs to get players here. Now, it's kind of difficult showing them all that on a Zoom call, right? I mean, it's not as simple as uh, it would be, you know, you have an unofficial visitor, you have guys come in for an official visit, you give them the big tour and that sort of stuff, and uh, you, you don't have any of that. You don't have the benefit of any of that. In Mississippi State, it's a school that requires some salesmanship. I wrote about this recently. That's why I think the official visits hurt schools like Mississippi State the most. The lack of on-campus recruiting efforts probably hurt Mississippi State more than it did most of the schools uh, in the SEC. Because you know what Alabama has. You know who Alabama is. 
you know who LSU is. You know who Florida is. Well, how many times do we do these interviews with recruits and you read them and we find out that, man, I went to Mississippi State and I was really impressed with the facilities. I was surprised at how nice it was there because there is this misconception that, uh, you know, we're out here in the middle of a you know goat pasture, you know, working out of a couple double-wide trailers. And, uh, you know, that's just not the case. And that was years ago. I remember interviewing Rocky Felker about that, you know, when he was our, our coach there in the mid-'80s, that, uh, you know, he worked out of a trailer that was donated by Florence High School over in Alabama. He's sitting there cutting up film, getting ready to go play an SEC football game in a donated trailer because we didn't have that kind of stuff. And when we got it, we probably felt – you know, grateful that we had it. So thank you, Florence High School there in Alabama for, uh, you know, contributing to Mississippi State. But, you know, our coaches don't have to do that anymore. We, you know, we've got an incredible facility in the Seal Junior Football Complex. We didn't have that. I credit Dan Mullen for kind of championing that cause. But we have come light years from what we used to be. And so there are many of these guys, you know, their coaches may have played college football and perhaps they even played against Mississippi State. And so they came here, and they kind of saw the old version of Mississippi State and said, well, you know, it's not much. And then the kids get here, and they have this, um, you know, this expectation that things are going to be a bit underwhelming. And then they get here, and they're like, holy smokes, this is great. And so we're a school that really needs to get guys on campus. Once they get here, and it's the same thing in all sports. You know, same thing for women's basketball. There's so many of those women's basketball players that will tell us, like Robbie Falk will interview them, and they'll tell you, you know, what I wasn't expecting all this. And so we're kind of a pleasant surprise to people. We kind of under-promise and over-deliver. And so when we can't get guys on campus, that's part of the deal. Now, Mike says, and I asked him about, you know, the top 25 class, you know, he, he has not had one of those before nationally. Uh, 2006, he finished 28th in the country out of Texas Tech. We talked about that before. But he gave a lot of credit to the fact that the coaches and then the off-the-field staff really meshed well together early. That it wasn't necessarily seamless, but you had such professionals already in place here at Mississippi State. You know, guys like uh, you know Rod Gibson, Mason Smith, Brad Peterson, Mike Villagrana. These people had already done so much of the due diligence that when the new coaches came – they were able to kind of hit the ground running a little bit. They kind of knew who the kids were. They kind of knew, okay, well, this is a school that has uh, historically been, you know, kind of Mississippi State friendly. And so they didn't have to figure a lot of things out for themselves. And I'll be honest with you, I, I don't know where we would be in recruiting without Rod Gibson. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm just I'm going to say that as, as plainly as I can say it. There are a lot of people that get their names in the paper. Rod Gibson's rarely one of them. But Rod Gibson, in many respects, is the backbone for your in-state recruiting especially. Rod Gibson, of course, uh, coached at Mississippi Delta Community College for a while, spent some time at Colin. But Rod is a guy that has been pretty much in every high school in the state of Mississippi. And it's one of those things, too, that's kind of remarkable, too, is, you know, when a kid comes up and they say, oh, well, there's a kid at, you know, at, uh, you know, at Tower Town. You know, Rod's the kind of guy that kind of has, a, you know, an index mentally and says, you know what, okay, well, listen, uh, who do I know at Tower Town? Oh, well, yeah, I played with so-and-so. Or I remember recruiting this kid down there at Tower Town, and here was the coach that uh, gave me that information. And so because he has been around, you know, much like Tony Hughes, 
you know, it, it really adds some value because, you know, they're, they know who to trust. They know who to contact to get information about players. They know who, who, who they can talk to that will give them the real deal rather than just try to sell you on a kid. And so there are so many guys within this state that much of their, you know, their, the beginning of their recruiting process and the pursuit of Mississippi State kind of begins the desk of Rod Gibson. You know, he's a guy that goes through and cuts up film and that sort of stuff and then and then relays it to the position coach and area recruiting coach. And so a lot of it really begins with him. And he's a guy, too, that can walk in there and tell Steve Spurrier, okay, listen, uh, I played with his coach or I played against his coach and here's the situation there. And so it's not as simple as, okay, let's just go in there and hand this guy, you know, a DVD or whatever or, or send him a link of a huddle clip. You know, there is a, you know, there's a wealth of information that he has because he has spent his entire life here in the state of Mississippi uh, working with recruiting. I mean, since, you know, since Gooby got done playing, you know, he's been in coaching or he's been in uh, you know, coaching support. And so it was an incredibly wise decision to keep those guys in place and then bring in Brittany Thackeray and Dave Emmerich, and uh, everybody kind of gets together. Listen, and again, it's not seamless. Everybody takes some time to kind of figure things out and figure how everybody works. But Leeds said, you know, one of the reasons that we were able to, to pivot as quickly as we did is because of the information that, that, that our coaches needed to kind of move on and transition to the next thing or the next guy was already there. You already had it together. You know, how many times in the past have we seen a guy decommit and all of a sudden, you know, we, we're just kind of out here chasing our tails? You know, that, that's not the case, you know, because of the, the hard work that your recruiting staff. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. 
Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Staff does uh, off the field. Now, we spoke, too, about next year. And we spoke, Mike and I spoke about, you know, what are the expectations for next year? The very first thing that he says I think is very, very important. You know, he didn't come out and say, well, you know, we got to get Will Rogers, you know, to, to mature a little bit. we got to get him stronger. He didn't say, well, we got to get our young running backs to be a little more versatile. He didn't say we got to find, you know, some holes to fill in the secondary. That's not what he said. The first thing he says is, well, i got to find a way to be the best coach I can be. Very first thing. Coach, what are your expectations? What do you got to do to win big next year? First thing he says, I got to be the best coach I can be. And then, in turn, I've got to get my assistant coaches and our staffers to be the best coaches they can be. And if we can do that, then we can then put our players in a position to be very successful. And there have been so many times, you know, you read these things, you know, there's all these people that have these hot takes and you know, all these negative opinions and that sort of stuff. There's all that that goes on, right? So many people don't know anything. It's like they're often in error but never in doubt. They have so much to say. Oh, well, Mike Leach never takes any responsibility. The very first thing he says, I got to be a better football coach. I got to find a way to be a better football coach. And one of the things that I asked him, too, is, you know, there are so many people that want to come pick his brain about the air raid offense and, you know, concepts that he runs. I said, well, Coach, who do you clinic with? Who do you kind of get information from, you know, to try to innovate or add some new wrinkles and things like that? And of course, he looked at the NFL, but he had a surprising answer, too. He goes, you know, there's some people in the FCS that are doing some remarkable things with the passing game. He goes, so, yeah, we, we talk to those guys. And he goes, it's easy to get those guys on the phone. You know, you get some film because once you get the film, you kind of break some things down. And you look at that and say, hey, let, I really like this play. Let's find out how this thing is built. And then you call the coach and you talk about it. You, you compare some notes. And he goes, you know, the thing about it is, is you, you, you find all these great plays, but you can't put them all in because it's just too much. And he said, so if they don't, they don't find a play that's better than our worst play, then we don't put it in. Because as we put a play in, we're going to take something out. So we're always looking to find something to be a little bit fresher with, to be more competitive with. And I think it's interesting that Mike Leach says, you know what, we go look at FCS schools. Because there are a lot of people out there that may think, you know what, you know, I don't want to go backwards. But I guess because Mike Leach kind of came up through those ranks, you know, Mike, people forget, man, you know, Mike Leach, you know, took a job for next to nothing, worked his way up, and the next thing you know, he's, uh, you know, Valdosta State setting records with Hal Mummy. You don't think a lot of people nationally wanted to know what Hal Mummy and Mike Leach were doing with the air raid at Valdosta State? And they leave what, Iowa Wesleyan? Iowa Wesleyan was a, you know, they were a nothing. 
And so, Mike, I know, understands those guys out there in the FCS, they're trying to be innovative. They're trying to be creative because they're trying to get to the next level in the coaching profession. And so a lot of the fresh stuff that happens in college football comes from the FCS level. And I'm sure he appreciates the fact that, you know, when, he, when they were down there, you know, there's not this, uh, you know, cookie-cutter type deal. We can kind of be who we want to be and do what we want to do because you got to be a little bit different down there. And so I think it says a lot about Mike that he reaches to the FCS and he reaches to the NFL to kind of find some new things to innovate your offense. And, again, you can read these articles over on jeanspage.com. Again, today's part one will be free. Part two will be on Thursday. That will be VIP. Looking forward to sharing that with you. Really, really am. Let's talk a little bit about uh, sinus pressure and headaches and all the things that go along with that. There's a lot of that going around. People are, people are dealing with that. Uh, I have dealt with some of that, too. Maybe I need to uh, go see a doctor. You guys uh, should probably do that rather than just try to treat yourself over the counter. You know, because that's always a temptation. It's, well, it's just allergies and, you know, maybe I go take a day cool or whatever. Listen, if you're having chronic problems with this, and most of you are, right, you need to give Dr. Robert Yarber a call. He is a guy that can take care of you. Part of a great family of physicians, the ear, nose, and throat physicians of North Mississippi, Dr. Yarber is your go-to guy to kind of handle those issues. And uh, two locations to serve you right here in Stark Vegas, 910 Stark Road, and then in Tupelo, 618 Pegram Drive there in Tupelo. To make your appointment or to get more information, call 662-844-6513. That's Dr. Robert Yarber. And I'm telling you, listen, Robert and I go back a few years, okay? We've, we've had a dog. We've, had, we've shared a dog, okay? I got a dog from him. We brought her to Baton Rouge, and we had a great life. And so, you know, I've known him for a long time. I can tell you this is a credible guy. Guy knows what he's doing. He has a passion for people, wants to make your life better. Go by and see him today. Make that appointment. You've been putting it off anyway. There's no point sitting around struggling. It doesn't make you a better person. Improve the quality of your life today. Call Dr. Robert Yarber at the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. All right, so that brings us to the top 10 list. And uh, I have to admit, I had to do a little research for this list. I've had a couple of you guys that have reached out and said, Hey, Steve. Uh, since we're doing more country music, how about this guy? And so I, I'm very familiar with his work. And matter of fact, I even have one of his CDs from the uh, late 90s. But, uh, you know, some of the later things in his catalog, you know, I don't listen to a lot of country music these days. I mean, there's sometimes, you know, if I'm with somebody or whatever, and, you know, I've had some good times riding some back roads and, uh, you know, just talking like, hey, what's this song here? But we're going Kenny Chesney today. Kenny Chesney. I know a lot of you, uh, Kenny's kind of a divisive figure in country music, though. I've learned that, you know, here in recent days. Yeah, Roy is a guy that's not a big Kenny Chesney fan. You know, Roy Samante is a guy that puts our uh, top ten list on Spotify. I want to thank Roy for that, as always. But Roy's like, you know, Kenny Chesney's that guy that does, you know, he kind of he wears the flip-flops and, you know, the fringe shorts. And, uh, you know, he's got the cowboy hat and he's got the little shell necklace and everything and wears the tank tops. And so... I know some people would say, you know what, Steve, he's not real country. You know what? You're welcome to that opinion. I, I'm, not, I'm not a big enough country guy to argue that fact. But I do know that Kenny Chesney has written some songs that I really like. Now, there are a couple songs that were huge hits for Kenny Chesney that are not in my top ten. And I'm going to go ahead and, and 
kind of be make a preemptive strike here. I'm going to go ahead and tell you why they're not so you don't have to DM me. Because he's had a bunch of number one hits. So I'm going to leave out somebody's favorite. But I'm not going to have You Had Me at Hello on the list. And one of the reasons why, that song has always irritated me. Because I know we stole the line from Jerry Maguire. He admitted as much when the song went to number one. I just can't get down with that. I mean, it's, I know it's not plagiarism, but it kind of is. You know, it's like, oh, well, this movie's really popular, and that was kind of a classic line from that's kind of the, you know, that was the line in the movie. And so we're going to take it, and, and it's almost like profiteering off somebody else's idea. So I didn't put that one in there. And then the other song, it's not on here. And I don't know, some of you are going to clutch your pearls and say, oh, Lord, but it's, she thinks my tractor is sexy. No, it's, it's too silly. No, nobody thinks a tractor is sexy. It is, a, it is a vehicle that is necessary for the harvesting of our crops. But let's come, come on. Come on. We're not doing that. Don't be silly. But here are my top 10 Kenny Chesney songs. And uh, one, this number 10 one at one point, if I'm not mistaken, this was my first experience with Kenny Chesney. The first time I heard this, if I'm not mistaken, it was my sister, Nikki Smith, that shared this, this with me. She goes, hey, I think you're going to like this because I'm in recovery. And it's a song called That's Why I'm Here. And it's about AA and it's about recovery. And it's, you know, I've been there. That's why I'm here. I've been where you've been. I've had all those troubles. That's why I'm in AA now. That's why I'm in recovery. And so I dig that song, and I, from the very beginning, I liked it. I was, you know what? This guy's kind of got a good idea here. Um, and, of course, he has a bunch of songs about drinking, too, so let's not, uh, let's not sane him or anything. Uh, number nine, a song, uh, you know, about young love and having a good time. It's anything but mine, because you should be anything but mine. Um, remember, he's going back to Cleveland, all that sort of stuff. They meet at a carnival or a fair or whatever. We've all been on the Midway at State Fair. Cool track. Uh, number eight, Don't Happen Twice. That's another cool one, too. And that's one of the things that I'll say about Kenny Chesney. You know, he kind of has his own sound. I don't know if there's anybody that really sounds like him, but I think this is kind of quintessential uh, Kenny Chesney. Don't happen twice. Number seven, Summertime. And one of the things I dig the most about this one is uh, having a Yoo-Hoo bottle in the, in the song. Who talks about having a Yoo-Hoo bottle in the floorboard or whatever, you know. Reminds me of my dad. You know, my dad was a big Yoo-Hoo drinker. But, uh, you know, summertime is just a good time in song. R- reminds us of a simpler time because life gets awfully complicated, doesn't it? I think about that all the time. Sometimes I look up and I think, you know what? I re- I rem- Does anybody remember laughter, to borrow a phrase from Robert Plant? You know, it's like there's so much of that. Things are so serious. And it seems like I've always got something going on. I've always got somewhere to be. I'm not being ungrateful. But uh, I do enjoy the summertime when, uh, you know, things are a little slower paced shall we say i love what we do but i love being able to kind of pack up the family hit the road and you know go down to the redneck riviera and just kind of sit out there on the balcony and watch the tide roll in and so uh, that's what that song kind of reminds me of is all those beach trips down the down the gulf shores and destin and places like that number six and i believe sam hunt actually wrote this song but it's come over you know it's about a i told you i wasn't gonna call and i wasn't gonna do this and uh, wasn't going to, you know, friend request your sister on Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so just come on over because I'm miserable. It's a good song. Number five, one of those ones, another number one hit for him, one of those ones that, uh, you know, a lot of people can identify with. You know, but it starts, you know, it's a young guy that's, uh, you know, high school football star or whatever, gets his girlfriend pregnant, and then it kind of goes, tells the story of, uh, you know, his development and, and maturation as a father. 
and it's a song called There Goes My Life, and it's one of those ones that kind of hits you in the chest. If you got kids, and if you're like me, you get college-age girls that, uh, you know, I remember, you know, when my oldest daughter, Audrey, was getting ready to go off to college, and, uh, you know, she was considering going to Southern, Southern Miss, and she actually went to Mississippi State. I used to always listen to uh, Mr. Big's version of It's a Wild World, and it would always just bring me to tears because I was just thinking, you know, I'm fixing to let her go into all this craziness, you know, in the world and, uh, you know, things that happen at times when you're in college. But uh, so I think about my girls when I hear the song and I watch the video and I think about, you know, what how important they were to me and they still are. But you're thinking about them as, you know, little girls walking around dragging their blankets and, uh, you know, learning how to walk and that sort of stuff. And the next the next thing, you know, before you know it, they're they're going to prom and leaving home. You know, it's like one day. You know, they're sitting in your lap watching cartoons, drinking chocolate milk, and the next thing you know, uh, you're buying them a car. And so life happens fast. But that's what I think about. I think about my girls when I hear that song. Number four, and this is one of those great ones. I love the fact that Sean Payton was in the video. I mean, I really do. I, I like Sean Payton not just as a uh, football coach, but uh, you know, I like you know, I like his role in this uh, video, and I like the fact that uh, you know he's a guy that um, you know d- does a lot of good things with his money. But it's the boys of fall, and it's one. It's it's one of those things, kind of a predictable song too. It's like you, you kind of wonder how come nobody else has ever written this. Uh, but you know, it's been on SEC Network, and they do it on SEC Nation. It's uh, it's great. It is it's a celebration of football. I, to me, I think these final three songs are the three best Kenny Chesney songs, which is why they're in my top three. But I think I don't think many people could argue against them. But number three, I mean, it's it's a footloose and fancy free song, man. It's no shoes, no shirt, no problems. Uh, I love it, and uh, probably should listen to more of that. You know, I'm a guy that stresses myself out a lot of times too. But uh, and, and there are people that I work with that'll agree with that. You know, I stress myself out, and other people when I get stressed, it spreads. You know, um, but yeah, this is one of those ones. Another just a good time and song. It's like you know what I'm. I'm away from all this other stuff for a while, and I'm going to de- kind of decompress here, and uh, you know, relax. That's one of the things I do dig about Kenny Chesney. He's a guy that likes to have a good time. Number two, I want to know how forever feels. And uh, I love the reference to Richard Petty in the song. And this is one of those that got played on the radio an awful lot. You know, it's like you go through these phases and you have different friends or whatever, you know, and you ride in the car. And this one came on the radio a ton. Uh, so I dig it. I think it's one of those things when you're a young person and maybe you're single and maybe you're even married. I don't know. Married and miserable. And you think, you know what, I want to meet somebody that uh, loves me and can be with me forever, and I don't have to be out there, you know, out there in the world uh, looking for something that I can't get. But number one for me, and this song has so many things that I think are important and great ballads. And I think the most important thing in songwriting is to elicit emotion from your listener. And the way you do that is you write things that, are, that you can find commonality in. And we have all been through those bitter fights or whatever, you know, especially when you're you know, young and married or whatever. But uh, the song is the good stuff. And it is one of those songs. I, I, this, is, this is the CD I have. I don't remember the name of the CD, but I bought it for this song. But it's one of those things. It's like it's everything in it is so familiar. You know, you hear it and there are emotional moments in your own life and your own relationship. And it's like even now when I put the video on, when I was putting the list together, 
you know, I get tears in my eyes thinking about it. And that, and that, to me, that is what great songs do, is they take you to an emotional place, whether it be positive, negative. But in many respects, the best songs are the ones that make us think. They make us get a little bit, you know, out, out of our moment and say, you know what, let me forget about my stuff. But this is what matters most to me. This, Like, all this other stuff is important, but it's not as important as the people that I love. And so I, that's why I think that song is great I think it's one of those things where uh, it is a it is a life's lesson that uh, we often forget. And sometimes it's good to go back and listen to songs like that because they take us back to those moments. So that's a top ten list today. If you have an idea for a top ten list, reach out and let me know. Many of you are sending me things that I've already done, and I'm trying to turn it around and send you back the Spotify list as I find them because that's customer service, right? I mean, I want to give you what you're paying for. Uh, which is nothing, but I'm going to give you that free list if I if I can find it. But uh, if you've got ideas, let me know. We've got some other ideas for next week. Uh, we're going to do another classic band on Friday. Almost did them last Friday, but uh, this is one of those artists, recording artists, that again kind of transcends the genre. Uh, looking forward to talking to you guys about them on Friday. So we've kind of got that together. Roy and I are trying to compare notes throughout the week and say, hey, next week, let's do this, let's do that. Uh, because I'll be honest with you, some days when I'm unprepared, I kind of got to sit here for a while and say, okay, well, have we done this one? Have we done that one? You know, and so it's good to kind of have uh, somebody kind of help me with that. So, again, shout out to Roy. And uh, if you are looking for those older Spotify lists, let me tell you where to go. You can, number one, find the list that's, and that's we tweet out and you can subscribe, but it's it's Dogmatic 67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C 67. Dogmatic 67 on Spotify, and you can subscribe. Roy's got some of his own stuff on there, too. Uh, I'm sure it's not as good as ours, but he does have some of his own list on there. But uh, all the Barnyard ones are kind of listed as such, you know, Steve's top 10, whatever. And so if you're looking for a list, that might be the way for you to go. But, again, hit me up on social media at Scout Steve R, and uh, I'm happy to uh, to take a look at that, and uh, we'll get to it. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. I love those people, man. They're like family to me. I, really, I mean, it's I, I don't say that in a patronizing way. The people at Campus Bookmart have been so great to me, and I don't just mean because they sponsor the show, but when I go in there, they act like that uh, I am so much more than I really am. And I have had so many great experiences with them. Been on the road with them to do some trade shows and things like that. Made so many of you at Mistletoe Marketplace uh, there in Jackson. Done that with them now for a couple of years and uh, plan to do it for the foreseeable future. We'll go buy signed books and shake hands and uh, kiss mama's babies and that kind of stuff, or babies' mamas. And uh, But, yeah, they've been great. And they're going to treat you great, too, because that's just kind of who they are. Standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Wonderful people that do a wonderful job at a wonderful place. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than Campus Bookmart. You can find them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, you get a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk uh, LSU. Mississippi State is going to play LSU in basketball tonight. I know you're looking forward to that one. This is a winnable game, guys. This is a game we got to have. All right, a couple things of note as we get into LSU here that uh, junior Darius Days for LSU may not play. <clears throat> he injured an ankle against Texas Tech 
and uh, has had very limited practice time since then. Uh, Darius Days, a junior forward from Raleigh, Florida, uh, 6'7", 245, a product of IMG Academy, uh, has done a pretty good job for them and is averaging uh, 12 points a game and uh, just under eight rebounds. So having him out of the mix would be huge for State. Now, LSU, of course, had an unscheduled uh, off date because of uh, COVID with the Florida program. So he has had some time to kind of rest and rehab and not kind of push it in game action. I am sure they will roll him out there and uh, kind of see what he can do in pregame warm-ups. He is expected to make the trip, but he is doubtful to play. And even if we get him – on the floor, and he's less than 100%. That's an advantage for Mississippi State. I think you know, him matching up with Tolu Smith could be an advantage for Mississippi State. The guy you got to remember, the guy you got to watch for LSU is Cameron Thomas. Cameron Thomas is a scoring machine. Uh, where's number 24 for the Tigers? I know that's an important thing to kind of keep up with. Is a freshman from Oak Hill Academy and an absolute bomber. 6'4", 210 pounds, plays the guard. He was a five-star at a high school out of IMG and uh, considered one of the best players in the country, averaging 22.3 points per game, which is second nationally. He is a prolific scorer and a guy that you have got to keep an eye on all the time. And listen, you know, we're going to make this a defensive game. You know, we're not going to try to you know grind this thing out. That's what Mississippi State does. But you got to make somebody else beat you. And that's the thing, too, with, with days being a little bit banged up, you know, it you, you lose, you know, one scoring option there. So you got to you could probably kind of shade over to Cameron Thomas's side uh, and and kind of move ahead with that. But uh, I'm excited to see excited to see what we do uh, defensively against them because uh, Cameron's a guy that can absolutely go off. Now uh, looking at some other guys here, and I think it's important that uh, we kind of look at who those guys could be. Trendon Watford is a guy that's done a great job for them as well. Uh, Watford is a guy that's averaging 16.8 points a game. Javante Smart throwing in 15.4. Darius Days, their fourth leading scorer. So you got four guys averaging double figures, and it drops off pretty significantly after that. So if Days is less than 50%, doesn't play, uh, you know, that's an advantage for Mississippi State. But uh, listen, they're they're a team that likes to kind of get out there and go at you a little bit. Alabama beat them from the perimeter and beat them like a drum, and that's not the way Mississippi State is built. This is a game I think that Derek Fountain could could really have an increased role for us too because he is a guy that can shoot from the perimeter, and LSU's perimeter defense has not been uh, maybe what they expected it to be. But uh, the Tigers have been okay this year. I think they're probably – I think their fans would say they're probably playing beneath the expectations. They're 11-6 and six and 6-4 six and four in the conference and they have missed some games. Let's run down the schedule real quick for you in case you haven't kept up with the Tigers. Uh, they did beat um, SIU Edwardsville 94-81 in the uh, St. Louis Billiken Classic to begin the year, and then they lose to St. Louis 85-81 in the uh, championship game of that little short tournament. They blast southeastern Louisiana uh, in their first home game, and then they get right back to it and blast Louisiana Tech. That's uh, Cajun on Cajun crime there. The South Florida game in Atlanta was canceled, and then they route Sam Houston State 88-66, and then they went through a stretch there where they weren't able to play. They had three consecutive games canceled. They get back together, have a little rust, and nearly were upset by Nickel State 86-80 there in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. The Texas Southern game is then canceled, and then A&M 
uh, rolls into town and LSU drills them 77-54. Difference in that game is guard play. They travel to games with Florida. They lose 83-79. Listen, that's not a great Florida team. But anytime that you can go on the road and win in this league, that's a big deal. Uh, pretty nice win for them against Georgia, even though it took some extra time to do it. They take down Georgia 94-92 uh, back on January 6th. They uh, go to Oxford and beat the Rebels 75-61, and that's when a lot of people were saying, you know what, this uh, Ole Miss thing is over. Uh, Rebels playing pretty well as of late. In case you missed it, they beat Auburn on a buzzer beater uh, on Saturday. The Missouri game is then postponed, and I believe that makes it the, uh, the fifth or sixth cancellation for them on the season. They return to action at home against Arkansas, 92-76 winners in that game. Then they beat uh, South Carolina 85-80, get blasted by Alabama 105-75, and then lose at Kentucky. Go back to A&M and beat them. Clearly not a good matchup. Then they lose Texas Tech 76-71, and then lose again to Alabama in blowout fashion over at Coleman Coliseum in Tuscaloosa. So they had the unscheduled off date Saturday as the Florida game was postponed. This is their first game in a week. So they are a team that should be rested, right? But they're also a team that's banged up a little bit. This is a game that we are capable of winning. They have not been a great road team throughout the season, but as they've got in the conference play, they've actually played pretty well at times. As you guys heard, you know, they, they win at A&M, they win at Ole Miss, they win at Florida. So this is a team that's going to come in here thinking, you know what, we can go in there and win. Because let's be honest, there really is no home court advantage in basketball right now. There just isn't. I mean, and that's one of the things somebody pointed out to me recently, that the free throw percentage nationally is up. Made free throws is up. Not significantly, but up and up that you can ask some questions about it, right? And one of the contributing factors, they believe, is you don't have the students behind the uh, – behind the glass going crazy. I mean, there's just not as many people back there to cause a distraction. And so as a result, they believe that free throws are being made at a much greater percentage. Interesting to say the least. Uh, the, the Bulldogs, of course, uh, will be back in action this weekend as they host Vanderbilt. And so it seems like it's been forever since we have been at home. Uh, and that's been uh, Iowa State, that Iowa State game a Saturday ago, and then we had, of course, the road games at Arkansas and South Carolina. We split those two. So now we get LSU and Vanderbilt at home. These are games we absolutely have to win. If we really have a realistic chance of getting to 500 or maybe a game above it, these are two we have to win. Your Bulldogs right now 11-9, and nine, which is a handful of games left to play. You win these two, makes you 13-9, and nine, uh, heading down the stretch, gives you a little margin for error because there's only, uh, I guess, five SEC games left in the regular season. Uh, let me just double-check that. We've got Auburn, Ole Miss, South Carolina. Yeah, five. And so we got five games left, and two of those are on the road. And so if we can find a way – three of those on the road, excuse me. So we got to make hay at home while we can. And so it's an important ball game. Uh, I hope that we can find a way to win this one because I believe if we can win this one, we can beat Vanderbilt again. Even though Vanderbilt gave us all we wanted in Nashville, we made a trip up there. I think of the two, though, this is probably the biggest one. This is the biggest one. You win this one. And, and listen, I'm not a fan of Will Wade either, in the least. And uh, I think the way LSU has handled all this is absolutely shameful. So, uh, you know, anytime that you can hang a, a loss on Will Wade, I think it's good for the game of college basketball. So, hopefully Mississippi State uh, can do their part 
and uh, you know maybe have this be Will Wade's uh, farewell tour. I, and I really believe once those NCAA allegations come out that LSU's got a very important decision to make. So that's where we are with all that. Okay, let's talk uh, Portico. Many of you have uh, thought about buying an investment property here in Starkville. Many of you have thought about, you know what, I'm going to make Starkville my home. We welcome you here. We would love for you to be here and be a part of all this with us. Uh, and I think it's one of those deals, too, that a lot of people just said, you know, I, I don't know where to move. I don't know what to do. You know, there's a lot of places you could live around here. There's a lot of places, you know, down South Montgomery, but the traffic on there kind of bottlenecks. Why not find a place that is easy to get in and out of? Well, that's going to be Portico. It's right there off Garrett Road behind the, uh, the, the, the Cry for Jeep dealership there. Uh, 1.1 miles from campus. Very easy to get to. Easy access to 25 and 82. And it's going to have the newest, nicest construction. Your, your, your kids are going to have friends there. It's going to be 51 houses total in the development, 18 houses already approaching moving condition, 33 houses in the second phase. That'll begin uh, very, very soon, if it hadn't already. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet, and from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. It includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. You should go by and check it out. And if you know what, if you need more information, call Brooks. Brooks is a friend of the show. He's a friend of mine. He's a friend of yours. You know, because we owe a debt of gratitude to Brooks Bryan because he robbed that home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. If you don't believe me, just ask him. You can reach him at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Come and won't you be my neighbor. All right, let's talk a little recruiting. You know, it's one of those things, too, once we begin to start identifying the puzzle pieces for 2022, you start thinking, okay, well, this kid's a Mississippi State kid. This kid's probably don't miss kid. And more times than not, it kind of works out that way. And one of the things that I'll say about recruiting, and this is one of the things that gets lost on fans on both sides of any rivalry, sometimes the kids just like the other guys more. Sometimes that's the case. I know that's a novel concept. I mean, everybody thinks, well, if we ever lose a kid to the other team, then they must have bought them. Not always the case. It is some of the time, but it's not always the case. Sometimes it just boils down to, you know what, this is a better fit for me. Maybe I've got a friend up there. Maybe when I went up there, the sun was shining, I went to your school, it was raining. I don't know. But sometimes they just like the other team more. Now, there are other guys that kind of grow up fans of a particular school. Talked to a couple guys a couple days ago. Come on, Dre Cole, defensive tackle out of West Lauderdale. I'm going to go see him soon, and I'm going to be, I'm curious to see how big he is. I'm told he's 6'3", 300. I don't know. He didn't look 6'3 to me on film. So I'm, I'm kind of eager to see. And you say, well, Steve, how can you really tell? It is very difficult to tell, but he looks a little squattier than that to me on film. And so I'm eager to kind of see him. And that's the benefit of kind of getting out and going on a road and getting to meet these kids because, you know, there's no Nike camps going on right now, so there's no objective third-party measurements and times that we can rely on. And rather just kind of sit around and kind of pass along self-reported information, we're going to the kids. We're going out there and kind of seeing them and uh, doing what we can to make sure that our profiles are accurate, at least until they commit to somebody else and then their guy pumps them up two inches and 25 pounds. But, you know, we really want to know. And so we're kind of getting back to what we did that kind of helped us build a brand at Jeans Page. You know, we're getting out there and kind of doing the legwork ourselves um, rather than kind of depending on other people to tell us. And so I have I spoke to Comandre Cole. He grew up a Mississippi State fan. 
goes to West Lauderdale. I think he is probably a guy that, uh, you know, we take some time with because there are a couple of big-time defensive linemen in the state this year, Xavier Harris uh, from Germantown. State's doing good with him right now. I would say the top three, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, I believe that's what he recently reported. But I'm told privately Mississippi State is the leader. So we'll see how things progress. And it's one of those things, too, with nobody has the benefit of spring camps and number of spring evaluations, summer camps right now. We hope that that's going to work out for us. But the early impression is that Xavier Harris is a guy that Mississippi State can get. Now, one of the things that happens in our industry is there are a lot of times, you know, the guys that you think your school's going to get automatically, you like them a little bit more, right? Well, I might be a little bit of a hometown homer, but I like Jaheim Otis a little bit more. I do. I think Jaheim Otis is a future NFL guy, and not just because he goes to Columbia High School, okay, which is where I went. Jaheim might be the greatest thing to come out of Columbia High School since me. I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, but, yeah, I, I take a lot of pride in the Columbia High School Wildcats because I was one, and uh, I'll always be one. But I have heard about Jaheim Otis since he was a ninth grader. He, he came to top dog camp the first year Joe Moorhead offered that. You know, Jaheim Otis has been on this campus multiple times, and contrary to what you may believe, Mississippi State is still very much in the thick of things with this. Now, we're chasing LSU a little bit. We have been throughout the process. I think he's favored LSU for about a year now. But LSU football will likely look a lot different between now and signing day. You all know you're well aware of what's going on down there. They've got a Title IX investigation. Now you've got the Department of Education doing an investigation. The NCAA is doing an investigation. So there are a lot of people down there being asked some very difficult questions. I have said this on the show and on Gene's page many times, but let me, I'm going to share it with you again. Anybody that is involved with covering up sexual assault should never work in college athletics again, period. I, I don't care who you are, how important you are, uh, all the other great things you've done in your life. If someone is sexually assaulted and you are part of that cover-up, you have no right to work in college athletics or run young people ever again, ever. And quite frankly, I, if they could criminally prosecute you, I hope they would, because there are some things in life that are, we should be uncompromising about. We may not agree on religion, we may not agree on politics, but I think the fact that we can save people from sexual predators as best we can uh, that's something that is not a Republican or Democratic issue or a Catholic or Protestant issue or whatever else your belief system is comprised of. I think we all can agree that anybody that victimizes women and children is uh, the scourge of the earth. And so, and listen, I get it. People always say, well, you know, Steve, sometimes they're false allegations. You're absolutely correct. That's why I'm saying if these are true sexual assaults, if a sexual assault victim has gone to an administrator and said, hey, this happened, and rather than them turn it over to the police, uh, they just kind of elected to put this thing away. And if the allegations about LSU are true, it appears there was some of that. Now, a lot of people have said, well, you know, it, the, the football staff is kind of insulated from that. You know, at this point, we don't know. But it does appear that there were some associate ADs and people involved in this that had a chance to do the right thing and elected not to do it. And so if those allegations prove to be correct, that those people should be out of a job forever. I mean, let them go do something else, but they shouldn't be able to work in athletics. And I think that is the scarlet letter that should probably stay on somebody's resume, you know, forever. There are some things that are simply unforgivable. Uh, that's one of them. That when a person in a position of authority uh, takes a young lady's sexual assault complaint and then does nothing with it, 
and basically treats them like a second-class citizen. I will never be okay with that, and neither should you. So there are going to be some changes at LSU. I think also, too, that LSU is going to struggle next year again. I think LSU will be similar to what they were this year. Now, give them credit. They got hot late. Ed Orgeron is an incredible motivator. He absolutely is. You know, for one for one game, you know, I, I want that guy leading me out of the tunnel. You know, for one game. I don't know if I want him coaching me for a whole season because I never know what's going to happen. But that guy is a guy that coaches out of emotion. And, you know, football is a game of emotion. And so Ed gets those guys up. Now, they're losing a lot of talent again. And you can say, you know what, well, Steve, it's true, but they just reload. And for, to a certain extent, that's true. But I think when you look at what, they're, what they had to replace last year, and it took them a while to kind of settle on a quarterback, uh, you know, there are going to be, you know, some bumps in the road, shall we say. And then here we are, you know, changing out the staff again. LSU is going to look a lot different. And that's not to say that Jaheim Otis won't go there, because there are a lot of guys, too, this year that uh, I think were kind of misled about the seriousness of these allegations at LSU. Now, at this point, they are just allegations. But you look at the recruiting class, you say, wow, it's incredible. Look at how many of those guys got there. You know, and, and what they're basically saying is, hey, listen, it's not going to involve football. There's some things that happened that uh, they're embarrassing and, and, and should never, never have happened. But, uh, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be here. I don't know if that's the case. And I, and I, but at the same time, too, if you're LSU, that's what you got to say, right? I think that's the reason you keep Will Wade, right? Until he's proven to have done something, you know, until there is an allegation or a, uh, you know, you know, foundation of facts, you, know, you probably can't fire him for cause unless you're willing to pay the buyout. You probably got to let him ride a little bit. And so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out down at LSU. And, you know, there's a lot of problems around the conference right now when it comes to compliance. And everybody always says, oh, they're going to get hammered. Or, oh, they're going to slap on the wrist. There are a lot of people I don't think that really keep up with this. And, uh, you know, it's like there's some people, anything short of the death penalty is a slap on the wrist. You know, there's some pretty serious sanctions have been handed down in the last couple of years and people are, I don't know what they were expecting I mean we, I mean we just kind of bulldozed the campus and you know turned to you know to turn the football field into a racetrack or whatever I, I don't know but you know LSU has some penalties coming and the fact that they would the NCAA would not allow them to separate the basketball and football cases I think is very very significant because if you lump them together then it supports the lack of institutional control charge, which, of course, is a modifier for more serious sanctions. And we, we may have a different definition of serious. You know, LSU losing four or five scholarships is not the same as Mississippi State losing four or five. We need those four or five, right, because they're going to be able to still go get 20 kids that are, you know, four- and five-star type kids. And so in that respect, yeah, it's not as significant to them. But it, when you're competing at the levels they are against Alabama, Florida, that's when those four or five players show up. You know, when they're able to go out there and sign, you're signing 20 four- and five-star kids, and they're signing 25, well, that's going to work in their favor. Uh, looking around the state, too, you know, I've, I've talked to some of these other guys like, uh, you know, linebacker uh, Dyshawn Scott. He is the guy that's a name you should remember, Greenville Christian. Uh, he and uh, J.D. Stewart, tremendous player. They got three guys there that uh, I think are going to be power five guys, Elam, Stewart, and uh, and Scott and uh, I had somebody tell me that uh, Scott was they, they couldn't believe Scott didn't have offers yet said he was the most athletic player they saw last year had matter of fact had another coach tell me that saw the article reached out to me and says yeah this kid is going to get some offers 
And so I'm excited to kind of see those things happen because, again, these are predominantly Mississippi State areas. You know, Mississippi State traditionally does pretty well in the Delta. Had a lot of players have gone from the Delta, have gone to Mississippi State, gone to the National Football League. So we have some pedigree there. So I'm eager to kind of see those things unfold. An offensive line, I don't know if we have to leave the state. I don't know if we do. But uh, as I shared in the bones on uh, Gene's page, you know, we've got uh, this kid, uh, Craycraft, out of uh, Jesuit High School in Dallas, Texas. You know, come to find out, that's a high school alma mater of Mississippi State inside receivers coach Dave Nichols. There's a relationship there right out of the gate. And uh, Nichols told him he's a priority and, hey, we're going to try to get you to Mississippi State, trying to get one of his own guys. I guess, like me, he's a bit of a hometown homer. But, uh, you know, I expect State to sign mostly in-state players this year. Not out of necessity, but more out of luxury because there are a ton of SEC players in the state and every single day we're finding somebody about somebody else that uh, either has an offer or is about to get an offer or is in the conversation for an offer. And that's the fun thing about this time of year. It's like everybody appears to be a project, a prospect. But this year, what's different from last year, is that there's a lot more depth. There's, you know, everybody knows the top ten players in the state. But this year, we're going to have a ton of kids. Could have as many as 40 kids sign with a Power Five this year. It's going to be a huge year huge and there's going to be a lot of schools recruiting mississippi that ordinarily don't because there's going to be a lot of guys that southern miss is going to want to take there's going to be a lot of guys louisiana tech's going to want to take you lafayette but every single day i'm getting more and more film i got more and more high school coaches reaching out saying hey look at my kid here and that's kind of the fun part of this time of year it's because you have these guys that are kind of bubbling up and it's exciting to watch their film and I watch a little more film, and I'm like, well, here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. And you know what? Not all these guys are going to go to Mississippi State. They're not. But it doesn't make it any less fun to cover them because there are so many kids in our state that they're going to be the first kid in their family to go to college. We're still only a couple generations removed from the fact that most of the people in the state of Mississippi didn't go to college. And so now you've got some young people that are getting an opportunity to kind of change their family tree forever. And I think that's a very important thing. And so the longer I do this, the more I root for kids, more so than root for a certain school when it comes to recruiting. You know, I always want Mississippi State to do well, but I also want our kids in the state of Mississippi to have as many opportunities as they can. Because there are a bunch of those guys that aren't going to go to Mississippi State. They're going to have a great college career somewhere. And I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting here, I don't think that Southern Miss is going to beat Mississippi State or Ole Miss on a kid. But I think Southern Miss under Will Hall is going to kind of reestablish themselves as the go-to school in Mississippi and then kind of in the G5 for kids at State and Ole Miss don't really push for. Because if you want to go back and trace the roots of Louisiana Lafayette's success, you know, kind of their rise, because they had kind of been they had been one of the you know the most woeful programs in all of Division One. When Mark Hudspeth got to Louisiana Lafayette and he had Marquise Lovings and he had Reed Stringer, the first thing they did was go after those South Mississippi kids. You want to go back and look at when South Alabama started getting good? It's when they went in and started getting those South Mississippi kids. You want to go look at when Louisiana Tech really began to turn around? It's when Sonny Dykes and those guys began to go get Mississippi kids. And those were the kids that Southern Miss used to get. But Larry Fedora decided, you know what, we need to expand our recruiting footprint, so let's go over here 
the school in Atlanta that's never going to send us a player we really want and go take one of their B-teamers. Let's go over to Birmingham and go to Hoover and go get a kid that, uh, that would probably is no better than a kid at Oak Grove. And so what happened is Southern Miss, in many respects, kind of abandoned the state. They abandoned the things that Jeff Bauer did to build a program at Southern Miss. Jeff Bauer did what Will Hall is about to do. And that's exciting for me because I think it's better for the state of Mississippi. It's better for our kids in Mississippi to have a viable opportunity to go play Division I football closer to home. And if you're Will Hall, too, I mean, how do you get fans back in the stands? Well, you got to go get recruit kids that people know. You go sign a kid from Taylorsville, well, you know, 20 of his friends are going to come to the ball game, right? That's how you do it. And that's why I think Southern Miss, you got to really watch them in G5 now. I didn't plan to spend as much time talking about USM. But I think you've got to watch them as a rising G5 now that Will is there because he is going to recruit the way Southern Miss should have been recruiting, and then he knows offense. And in the Conference USA, that's a score them league, right? I mean, that's, they don't play a lot of defense there. You go out there and you outscore people, and when you got Ty Keys as a building block and you begin to kind of surround him with some other players, they're going to be in the game for some guys historically they haven't been but they're going to kind of reclaim some territories they had lost to South Al, Louisiana Tech, and certainly Louisiana Lafayette. There were a couple of years that Hud and them beat Southern Miss in the recruiting rankings, which was used to be unheard of. But that's kind of where we are. I hope you guys feel the same. Listen, I look forward to being back with you on Friday. If you had not done so, go to alphadogsthebook.com. And you guys have been doing it because they've been calling me to come sign books. Uh, alphadogsthebook.com and you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs and I'll have a new book out later this year not sports related I know you guys are aware of that I'm excited about it but uh, I'm ready to get it finished yeah, I'm ready I'm ready to get it finished it's going to be a big year for me this year and, and I look forward to uh, sharing some cool things with you but uh, people always say hey Steve how can we support you well you can support me by subscribing to Gene's page and then ordering those books and if you're looking for Stark Villains gear and you should be Go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself some Stark Villains hoodies or T-shirts uh, today. Again, we look forward to being back with you on Friday. We'll have another great top ten list, and hopefully we'll be recapping a Bulldog victory over LSU and then previewing a Bulldog victory over Vanderbilt. And uh, there will be some commitments sooner rather than later. Just kind of hang in here with us. Business is about to pick up. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.